Fort Knox is probably the most uh, famous fortress in the world. I'm curious, have any of you been to Fort Knox? Nobody's been to Fort Knox. Road trip as a church. We should get a bus. That would be cool. Nobody's been there. But anyway, the U.S. Bullion Depository, often called Fort Knox, is uh, located south of Louisville, Kentucky, also a cool, cool town. And it is said to hold, get this, approximately $270 billion worth of gold. Some think that it even holds Jimmy Hoffa's body, but who knows about that. But part of Fort Knox's security is its secrecy. So I hope that my in- information here is correct. The walls of the depository are four-foot-thick granite. The front door is made of blast-proof material that, that weighs 22 tons. Entrance is controlled by codes that are changed daily. Every square inch of the depository is under heavy surveillance. The windows are blackened, uh, fireproof, and bulletproof, and sealed from the inside and from the outside. It sits on a solid granite foundation 10 feet thick with layers of cement supporting the granite, all of which support the structure and guard it against underground infiltration. It is said that Fort Knox could withstand an atomic bomb, which is incredible, let alone that it's surrounded by a series of fences and is within close reach of 30,000 soldiers, 300 tanks, armed personnel carriers, attack helicopters, and artillery. The United States Mint Police protect it from the inside. This is impressive. This is very, very impressive. Fortifications are impressive if they are impenetrable. If you stroll right in, that's not very impressive. They must be impenetrable, secure, and safe. The stronger, the better. I want you to think for a moment about your mind and your heart. They are precious treasures to guard. What if there was an impenetrable fortress guarding you against anxiety? Wouldn't that be great? Anxiety is a threat. Anxiety attacks. Anxiety seeks to destroy but hearts and minds protected by an impenetrable fortress Stand firm against it. If we're going to stand firm in the Lord, when anxiety comes, and it will come, we need an impenetrable fortress. We need something that can withstand extreme anxiety and offer protection for us. Paul used the word fureo in verse 7, a word that relates to a military guard or sentinel keeping watch over and giving protection. And that resonated with the Philippians because there was a Roman garrison in Philippi protecting the Pax Romana or Roman peace. The Philippians were experiencing opposition and suffering as well as Paul was. And Paul was helping them understand the impenetrable fortress that they had available to them to guard them from the anxiety that they faced. Now, adding to the last three weeks, today is yet another practical truth To help you stand firm. If by the Spirit of God you do what Philippians 4 tells you to do, God will be your impenetrable fortress and you will stand firm in Him. Bad things happen outside of the fortress. 
bad, bad things. You don't want to be outside the fortress. You want to be inside the fortress. Anxiety doesn't have to infiltrate your heart and mind. But you need the right defense against it. Today is about learning how to be protected against anxiety. And I promise you, I promise you that if you take Philippians 4, 6, and 7 and apply it without stopping, you have to keep doing it, God will guard you, God will protect you, God will defend you and keep you and shield you and safeguard you, and anxiety will fall dead at the barricade of God's grace and power at work in you. But you need to trust God that he will do what he promises to do. So we begin with the problem of anxiety. The problem of anxiety. First, let's understand what anxiety is and what it is not. Here's what anxiety is. It's worrying. Worrying. It's having excessive concern about something. As Merriam-Webster defines it, it's having painful or apprehensive uneasiness of mind, usually over an impending or anticipated ill, a fearful concern or interest. It might be painful uneasiness about health, a job, family, friends, enemies, social situations, money. It could be a a whole host of things, but anxiety is when we lose the discipline uh, in our thought life and take our eyes off of Jesus and exchange his peace and joy for a high level of uneasiness about what is or what might be. Here's what anxiety is not. It's not genuine and loving concern. It's not fearing God as the Bible commands us to do. It's not the kind of good nerves that we have before public speaking or something that is difficult to do or challenging. And I don't think anxiety is the immediate fear that we feel if someone points a gun in our face or if we're standing face to face with a lion. Because I think anxiousness is brooding or fretting, or agonizing over certain fears. So it's one thing to feel dread if a lion is breathing on your face, and completely another thing if, if you feel dread about going to the zoo with your kids because you feel the lion might break out and somehow eat you and your kids. Uh, the latter would be the kind of anxiety that Paul is talking about. And anxiety is not good. It is not good. It can cause physical problems, social problems, family problems, a whole host of problems. It, it can debilitate someone's life. And there's something you need to know about anxiety, something that the world will not admit, the world will not tell people this, but you, oh you dear Christian, need to know this so that you can actually fight anxiety and make progress and win and kill it in your life and so that you can be happier in God. Here's what you need to know. Please consider this carefully. Anxiety is a spiritual problem. It's sinful. Anxiety is a spiritual problem. It's sinful. The the world understands that anxiety is harmful. Absolutely. Uh, But because the world sees man as essentially good, because 
the world sees man as a product of evolution, I don't think the predominant view out there is to see anxiety as a spiritual problem. Do we see any evidence at all in the book of Genesis or anywhere in Scripture that Adam and Eve were anxious before the fall? Their anxiety came after they disobeyed God. Scripture treats anxiety as something to battle, something to conquer, something to overcome. It's not a disorder as many people would understand that term. God diagnoses anxiety as a spiritual problem and offers a spiritual solution. We'll get to the solution in a bit, but here's why we should treat anxiety as a spiritual problem, as a sin issue. God said this through Paul, do not be anxious about anything. That about sums it up. That right there answers it. Paul used this word maydays, meaning not even one thing. Do not be anxious about even one little thing. Jesus universally prohibited anxiety in his famous Sermon on the Mount. Listen closely to what Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and alive, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Three times, Jesus commanded his disciples, do not be anxious. And in verse 30, Jesus said, O you of little faith. Why did Jesus mention faith when talking about anxiety? Because the root of anxiety is unbelief. Unbelief. Anxiety is failing to believe, failing to trust that your loving heavenly father will care for you no matter what. That's a spiritual problem. And it wasn't that his disciples didn't have any faith. It was that his disciples had too little faith. Anxiety doesn't mean unbeliever condemned by God. That's not his point. But it does mean, anxiety does mean a faith deficiency. The existence of anxiety means we don't trust God as we should. We need him to increase our faith. 
My point is this. Anxiety is a spiritual problem that must be addressed with a spiritual solution. Don't be discouraged by that. Don't be discouraged by that. Like all other spiritual problems, a powerful solution is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Overcoming anxiety is part of our sanctification. It's part of us becoming more and more like Jesus Christ as God works in us to conform us to him. So if you are anxious, first of all, I am an anxious person, okay? So I, this is for me. But if you are an anxious person, you are not alone. Anxiety is widespread. I read that anxiety disorders are the most common category of psychiatric diagnoses. An estimated 40 million adults in the U.S. struggle with some type of anxiety disorder, which doesn't account for children, and it doesn't account for the anxiety that's not considered a disorder. Anxiety is a problem, and if you're very honest about this and you look around you, the world's solutions are not working. They are not working. It's time for a solution that works. You see, and and at the heart of it, I think what is so prevalent is people don't want to face their sin. And people don't want God as the salvation, as the solution to their sin. And that's why anxiety is epidemic. Standing firm in the Lord is the only solution. Even the church has drifted from the gospel, has jumped in bed with modern day psychology and psychiatry. And it has moved from the gospel, which is the power of God for salvation, which is the power of God for healing. If Jesus Christ is perfectly righteous, if his death on the cross is sufficient to save anyone who repents of their sin and trusts in him, if his cross has overcome sin, Satan, hell, and death, is he not sufficient to help us kill anxiety before it wrecks us, before it completely takes our joy? Is he not sufficient? Anxious people, they need to hear the supremacy and sovereignty and power and grace of Christ. He is the Prince of Peace. Brothers and sisters, God knows all about our anxiety. It is not a surprise. And he knows exactly how to fix it. And with great tenderness and with great love and with great fatherly care, God tells you where to find refuge when you're anxious. He is our refuge. Verse 6 is God's treatment plan for anxiety, which brings us to the prescription for anxiety. The prescription for anxiety. Because the world does not see anxiety as a spiritual problem, it doesn't get to the heart of anxiety and therefore only addresses symptoms of the problem and not the problem itself. It seeks to modify behavior only. Behavior modification isn't enough. We need to get to the root of anxiety and bolster faith because the bolstering of faith brings greater joy in God, which is the ultimate end. What does behavior modification have to do with joy in God? It doesn't. So let's take a look at a few of the world's prescriptions, and I think you're going to quickly see that none are aimed at bolstering faith. 
or trust in God. And none of them have the end in mind, which is ultimately joy in God. Secular psychology and psychiatry are thoroughly humanistic. If you know anything about them at all, you're going to see humanism everywhere, meaning they reject the supernatural and emphasize self-realization through human reason. So psychology and psychiatry are all about how you can help yourself. Self-realization is the goal, not joy in God. We'll, We'll take cognitive therapy as one example, just one example. Cognitive therapy seeks to change thinking and behavior patterns, which isn't necessarily bad. The problem is cognitive therapy gives practical self-help tips without undergirding those tips with gospel. So instead of drawing people from, um, instead of drawing power or healing from the gospel, cognitive therapy seeks power from inside the person, self Discipline, self-control, self-restraint, self-actualization, self-realization. We could say the same thing for other forms of therapy. Self is not the answer. Psychology and psychiatry are inordinately man-centered and do not depend upon God's sovereign grace and power. Here are some other prescriptions that perhaps resonate with you. Substances. Whether it be food, or alcohol, or drugs, or even medications, shopping. Go spend some money. Get something that you enjoy. Take your mind off of it. You'll feel better. Entertainment. Get your mind off of it with a movie. Just sit and veg. TV show. Just plug in it and go for hours. Or you could go out and have some fun experience somewhere pop on the headphones, escape into a world of music, exercise, go running, go swimming, go rock climbing, go do something active, get those endorphins up, right, and move and you'll feel better. Friends, go to someone who's going to listen to you and affirm you. Just, just dump on that friend. Religion, go do something kind for someone else. Grab that religious icon that you purchased, that novelty that you got at the Christian bookstore and cling to it and, and, and look at it and kiss it and, and grab that, that Christian book on anxiety, get that thing and open it up and tear, tear into it. None of these things are getting to the root of the problem. They may deal with symptoms to a certain extent, but they don't seek to boost faith in God, so from the start they are defective. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Do not misunderstand me. Don't miss my point. I'm not saying that all of those things are bad, that they're sinful, that you should reject them, that you shouldn't do anything, any of them when you're anxious. That's not my point. Some of them that I mentioned are wonderful, they're helpful, they're glorifying to God. My point is that as partakers of God's grace, we should accept God's prescription for anxiety and not search for other things in hope of finding something else that's more effective than God's prescription. God knows what works. He's communicated what works. God must be our solution. Anxiety is a spiritual problem. The root of anxiety is unbelief. So we need to consider this question, what prescription does God give in Scripture for bolstering faith and therein overcoming anxiety. This is what we need. 
Here's God's simple and effective prescription. Do not be anxious about anything, but, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's it. That's how you stand firm in the Lord. That's what Paul is getting at. When anxiety comes, this is your retreat. Now, let's unpack this verse. Four observations. The contraction, the command, the channel, and the character. Number one, the contraction. Paul said, do not be anxious about anything but. Right there is the contraction. The contraction marks emphatic Contrast. In other words, God prohibits on the one hand anxiety, but he then introduces something to do instead of being anxious. When we're tempted to brood in fear, we should do verse 6, which brings us to number 2, the command. The command. There's, there's one command in verse 6. In everything, let your requests be made known to God. That's the command. Here's how you overcome anxiety. You go to God, your heavenly Father, you pour your heart out to Him, and you urgently plead for Him to give you what you ask of Him. Ask God. If you're anxious, of course you don't want to be. Who of us are like, yes, sign me up. I want to be anxious, biting my nails all day. On, on the edge of my seat, just horribly afraid of what's going to happen. We don't want to be anxious. And so when we are, God directs you to plead with him for help, trusting that he will help. Trusting that he will help. Notice where your requests go. To God. That's very easy to understand. Now, God already knows your requests. All right, But as you go to God and make your requests known, you are admitting in that act of going to him that you need help, that you need him. You are identifying him as your help, him as your strength, him as your solution. That's an exercise of faith. Letting your request be made known to God is an act of faith or trust in God. As you present requests to God in everything, you express your trust in God. Well, how are your requests to be revealed to God? Number three, the channel. The channel. Paul said, by prayer and supplication. First, by prayer, we must pray. We must pray without ceasing. We can't stop. God is our Father. He loves us. He cares for us. He is there to listen to us. We must pray. Prayer is how we let our requests be known to God. Paul also said, but in everything by supplication. That's a fancy word. What does supplication mean? Supplication is a fancy way of saying you plead, you beg, you you ask. Supplication is petition. You petition God, you pour out your heart, you pour out your soul to God, asking him to do something for you. Show up, God, do something. Take this from me. Produce something in me. You plead, you ask, and you do so with precision. It's specific. Dr. Hansen wrote this. 
Paul encourages being specific in prayer to God, not mouthing vague generalities and amorphous meditation, but giving voice to the specific desires of our hearts. Specific things. If you are anxious, ask God for his peace. That's specific. If you are fearful, ask God for his joy. If you are worried, ask God for his rest. You can plead with God to change your circumstances, and he might actually change your circumstances. He might not. But even more, plead that God changes you. In the middle of your circumstances, may your greatest heart's desire be that that he changes you, your heart, your mind. Plead with him to produce the fruit of the Spirit in you so that you can be most like Jesus when anxiety faces you and so that you can be happiest in Jesus when anxiety faces you. Beg God to conform you to Christ. And then trust that your good and your gracious Father hears you, that he would give you exactly what you need at the right time, and that he will indeed conform you to Christ. That is a promise. He is about that business. He is doing that in in you now. He will give you what you need and conform you to Christ. See, Jesus Christ is not an anxious person. He's never been anxious a day in his life. So what we need most is to be conformed to him who is not anxious, but who trusts at all times. Now, God is invisible. God is invisible. My kids, they learn this. God is invisible and does not have a body. Yes. And it may seem easier to sit with a friend over coffee and to pour your heart out to them. I understand that. Because it almost seems more personal. Because you have that person there in front of you. But think about it. God made you. God made you. He knows you inside and out. God is the sovereign power and potentate of the universe who upholds the universe with the simple word of his power. He controls all things. And yet he is your tender and loving and caring father who communes with you through his spirit. God is most personal. What more do you want than the Almighty God there with you and in you, upholding you? We cast our anxieties on Him specifically because He cares for us. So the channel through which we let our requests be made known to God is prayer and supplication. As we pray, as we supplicate, what should be the character or the nature or the spirit of our prayers. Number four, the character. The character. We can't just pray and plead. Our posture before God is important. We need to pray and plead in a certain way. The gospel must inform the character of our prayer and pleading. When we are anxious, we must approach God with thankfulness. Not thanklessness, Thankfulness, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. With thanksgiving, that's very important. Anxiety will be absolutely impossible for you to overcome without radical gratitude for God and what God has done in your life. You won't conquer it if you're not a grateful person. 
Ingratitude will only amplify your anxiety. Gratitude is an anxiety assassin. I like that. The A and A, do you see how it goes together? Anyway, I work on this stuff and, you, you know, whatever. Hopefully, but anxiety assassin, that's cool, man, that's cool. Kids, you should be like, sweet. You know, anxiety is dying a bloody death. That's cool. All right, this might help you. The word Paul used here is eucharistia, eucharist, uh, which isn't simply feeling gratitude. It's more than that. Thanksgiving is expressing gratitude that you have to God. Dr. Hansen said very helpfully, Absence of thanksgiving to God in prayer turns off the power in prayer. Without thanksgiving, prayer becomes merely a way of complaining to God about all the bad things that are or might be happening. So as you plead with God, you must be thankful for him and what he has done for you. You must actually thank him, expressing gratitude to him. Scholar John Frederick said this, quote, The scriptures indicate that thanksgiving is a central Christian virtue intended to replace despair, anxiety, and worldly ways. It's intended to replace it. Thanksgiving is a wonderful, 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 wonderful replacement for anxiety. Anxiety focuses on fear. Thankfulness focuses on God. Colossians 4, verse 2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Ephesians 5, 20 says, Giving thanks always. There's never a time that we should not be giving thanks to God. When you're anxious, get your mind and heart to God's goodness as soon as possible. We need to see that when our hearts and minds are flooded with gratitude to God, there is very little room for anxiety. Very little room. Now, before we move into the promise in anxiety, let me mention this. I think this is important. We should battle anxiety with thankfulness, but what are we supposed to be thankful for? Please listen closely. The deeper you understand Scripture, the deeper your thankfulness will be for God and what God has done for you, and therefore the better you will be able to express your thankfulness to God and avert anxiety. Scripture must inform your gratitude. Scripture must tell you what to be thankful for. Otherwise, you meander around with these things, cliches, and you don't get into the guts of what you're actually thankful for. You need scripture. I need scripture. If you know about this much about scripture, you're setting yourself up for just a, an all-out blitz of anxiety. But when we, when we get deeper into what scripture says Jesus is and what he has done and who our Father is and what he has done, who the Spirit is, what he has done, it, it, it fuels us. It, it comforts us as we get in there and we have something to stand on. It informs us to say, yes, you are my propitiation, my Christ. My, get into it. We need scripture to tell us what to be thankful for, to remind us of the promises of God. But scripture helps in another way. Jesus said that unbelief is the root of anxiety. So what produces and fortifies faith to battle the unbelief? Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes 
from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. If you struggle with anxiety, you have to crush it, smash it by growing your faith through Scripture. Study it, learn it, cherish it, enjoy it, hide it in your heart so you might not sin against God. Family worship helps you kill anxiety. Corporate worship helps you kill anxiety. Individual worship helps you kill anxiety. Have you thought about that? Being with brothers and sisters, listening to good preaching, studying the Bible, praying together, singing theology that strengthens your faith, Worship is an amazing prescription for anxiety. So just remember, verse 6 is written to a local church, to all of them. You are not serious about killing anxiety in your life until you immerse yourself in Scripture. Allow Scripture to direct your prayer and thanksgiving and worship with your local church. Do not underestimate how God can use brothers and sisters in Christ who delight in God's word to strengthen you in your struggle. It will help you to study Matthew 6, 25 through 34 a little more. I I know I read that, but really, really study that this week. What Jesus said can actually help you. It, It is so, he's so practical. But let me highlight one thing. Instead of being anxious, Jesus said this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness There is something infinitely more valuable, infinitely more important than having comfort in this life. And it is the kingdom. It is the kingdom of our Christ. Seek it. Seek it with all of your heart. Seek the righteousness of Christ. It is yours by faith and seek to model his righteousness. Do that. You won't be as anxious. I wonder if part of our anxiety is that we've been distracted from what God's kingdom is all about and who Christ is and all that he is, and we've, we've been pursuing our own kingdom here, thinking that this is just all. We have to keep everything neat. I am so like this with my kids. You know, wear this rubber suit. Don't jump off of that. Hey, what? He's banged his head. It could, what, if they, what if they die? Oh, I... I, I Ponder this stuff. I have vivid things in my mind of what would happen in different things, and it throws me off. I'm, I get sensitive, fearful. Oh, you know, and isn't dad supposed to be one? Yeah, jump off of that. Oh, that was awesome. Christina might do that. I, careful. That's up to I. That's a ladder. You might crack your skull, or I don't know. I have problems. But. That's what happens when we focus here and we don't get our focus there on the things of God. So much can go wrong in this life, right? What are you, con- what are you in control of? You could crash and burn on the way home. Car, head on, you're done. You're gonna get worried about that? Stop living your life? Stop trusting God? Should I keep going? I, mean, I have lots of fears. I could just dump them on you. You all could leave here. This is horrible. Everybody step. You're driving home. The promise in anxiety. Let's quickly get to the promise. Listen to the promise God made the Philippians and makes you too if you follow his, his, his treatment plan. Listen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is a promise of God to you, his people. 
Now, remember Fort Knox. When the enemy of anxiety blitzes, you let your request be made known to God, then the peace of God becomes this impenetrable fortress which guards your heart and mind against anxiety. Anxious people need the peace of God. Nothing more, nothing less. It is a peace not found anywhere else, but rather in the nature of God himself. And God invites us to come into his peace. We share in the divine nature. Scripture tells us, enjoy his peace. You could even call this well-being. The peace that God has and gives to his children surpasses all understanding. And I take Paul to mean that the peace of God is better than the human understanding and reason of how we can all figure it all out. When your mind struggles with anxiety, struggles to be reasonable, struggles to keep your life in perspective in light of gospel truth, the peace of God does exceedingly more than what we can do on our own just thinking it out and thinking it through and making rational sense of it all. Some things don't make rational sense. You're not going to come to the end of that. Anxiety is in the mind, in the thoughts, in the emotions, and notice what the peace of God guards and protects us or what, what his peace guards and protects, the mind and the heart, which encompasses all of our inner being. He protects all of us. And once again, Paul uses this phrase, in Christ Jesus. This promise, you have to hear this, this promise is only for those who are united to Christ by grace through faith. This, is, this promise is not for the world. This promise is for the church, for the people who trust in Christ, who are united to him. We need Christ. The world needs Christ. And that little phrase, in Christ Jesus, is everything when it comes to anxiety. But nobody wants to talk about Jesus and what he can do in their anxiety. They ignore him. They patently just look the other way. Jesus is a myth. He's this, he's that, but he's the only power. People look for relief from anxiety in a lot of weird places. But they seem to miss that relief comes only in Christ Jesus. With Christ, you have someone that fights anxiety for you. Galatians 5.22 says that peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Meaning, God must produce peace in you. It's not going to come from you. Once again, Scripture affirms that anxiety is a spiritual problem with a spiritual solution, and peace is not this distant reality that's out there for us. God promises that if you trust in Him, if you walk by the Spirit and live out, verse 6, that His peace will defend you. It will. Believe God. My friends, do you believe God? Do you believe he'll protect you? Or are you like, no, no, that's nice, that's cute, Pastor. But I think these things over here are what I really need. And you go, do you actually believe that God is sufficient to protect you against anxiety? Listen to what Psalm 55, 22 promises you. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Never. Here's another one, Isaiah 26, verse 3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. What did Jesus tell his disciples in the upper room? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. What a promise. Thank you, Jesus, for your peace. Man, a lot. I'll take it. As a child of God, you are entitled to the peace that Jesus gives. 
It's yours entirely. Take it, love it, enjoy it, have it. Use all of it. Soak out that peace for yourself. It's yours. God will protect you. Have you ever looked and looked and looked to find that pesky little stinking pencil that you can't find anywhere? It seemed to have disappeared out of thin air. You look everywhere. You can't find it. And then all of a sudden it dawns on you, I wonder if it's in my ear. Yeah, it's in my ear. I was missing it the whole time. It's been there all along. The answer to your anxiety is right there. It's right there. You have it. It's with us. Yet we often go looking for a solution here and there when the answer is right there. Obvious. Hello. Don't miss the obvious, my friends. God has given you a simple prescription for anxiety that works every time. God will be your Fort Knox. Here's how to stand firm in the Lord. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Instead, trust God with all your heart with all your mind. Pray and supplicate to God. Express your gratitude to God and hide inside of the garrison of God's amazing peace and grace and love and care. When you do that with relentlessness, you don't give up, God will guard your heart and mind against anxiety. Saints, the promise is yours. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this amazing promise that we have Jesus Christ and if we pour out our request to you and we thank you for all of the amazing things that you have done and who you are as our amazing God and we trust in you and we allow scripture to permeate our prayer life as we know what to give thanks for. You promise us as your children that you will be there for us to defend us, to guard us, to shield us, to protect us, to fight for us, and anxiety will fall dead at the barricade of God's amazing grace. Thank you, Father. You are good. Help us weak ones to battle anxiety. We need your help. We're having problems with it. We get so anxious about all kinds of things, and we need you to show up and to help us. And we know by Scripture and the authority of it that we have all your promises. They are ours. You will not leave us or forsake us. You are with us to the end of the age, and you will guard us. Thank you. We love you. Amen.